Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. You're listening to BGN Radio. First and 10 at their own 31. Coach the man in motion. And the gun is Jones. He backs up, fires over the middle, and it is intercepted. And racing down the right sideline and in for the touchdown is Nolan Carroll. He did that last year, too. Hey there, what's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? This is John Stolnes, back with episode number 210 of BGN Radio, the only podcast in existence. We're doing Eagles Washington preview, and joining me once again this week is my good buddy, Matt Daring. Matt, how you doing, pal? Good. Hey, you know, I let's just listen to the Felsky Files, uh, which, you, which you did a great job on uh, while I was at the gym. The gym. And uh, it's great now wow. that I get to talk to you. It's like, um, it's like a podcast that talks back. That's right. It's a two. It's a real two-way experience when, <laughs> when you're Matt Daring uh, working with me, and um, it's is always one of the highlights of my week getting a chance to talk some birds with you. But um, you know, it's uh, we don't have a lot of fun things to talk about this week. I know if you've heard any of the the previous episodes of BGN Radio this week, obviously uh, on Sunday night um, we heard our pal Johnny Barchard go on an epic rant um, about a number of different things. He was uh, hot under the collar, and for for very good reason. And and I thought the boys on Tuesday night when they were out at the live event um, with James and, uh, and and Brian Coulter stopped by with Barchard and BLG, um, they, they really did a great job breaking down um, all of the stuff that went down in the locker room this week. And I know, you know, we don't really want to get into that a whole lot. We kind of want to move on a little bit, but we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on it a little bit because there has been a couple other things that have occurred since the Tuesday show. Um, that I kind of want to put a bow on it, and then we're going to move on, and we're going to look towards the rest of the season. We're going to look towards the Washington game and kind of uh, talk about some other stuff because the boys really did a good job discussing all the locker room stuff uh, on Tuesday. But they did mention and talked a lot about uh, how on Monday uh, Doug Peterson said that not everybody played hard in the game against Cincinnati on Sunday. And on Wednesday, some players responded uh, to that and disagreed, obviously, with the coach's assessment. Malcolm Jenkins was one of the more vocal. Um, he came right out and, and, and said uh, numerous times that, you know, the coach didn't put a name on this. So it's kind of on all of us to wear this. And, you know, I don't really feel he didn't really feel like that they played uh, that they that they didn't play hard. And, and Rodney McLeod, who unfairly, I think, got attacked for, you know, not sacrificing his body to, to hit a running back as he was already scoring a touchdown, um, stepped up and, and said that, you know, he didn't really feel like uh, that he didn't agree with the coach's assessment. Um, and Zach Ertz, who obviously has taken a ton of heat this week 
for the Ole block um, like on Vontae's perfect during the Carson Wentz run. Um, he did, tried to defend himself too this week. And I think you're seeing an interesting thing here, Matt, where the coach said something on Monday um, that was not flattering of the players and the players coming out a couple days later, defending themselves from the thing the coach said. We've always, it's, it's always been nebulous to me when a coach quote unquote loses a locker room. And I don't think that's happened yet, but this is not a good thing for a first year coach to have to deal with coming out and saying, hey, these guys didn't didn't play hard. There are some guys who didn't play hard. And to not name names and basically make it have everybody looking at everybody on the roster and then have the players have to defend themselves a couple days later is is not is not great. What is your take on this whole thing? And then we'll get off this. Uh, I mean, a couple of things. One, I don't really think that Doug is in a good position to name names. I think that that is not the sort of thing. Number two, this is the sort of th- this is not the sort of thing he should be doing. Number two, uh, this is the sort of thing that everybody was really hoping Doug would do. Um, in fact, I think I've seen one of the popular sentiments out there is that Doug should take it one step further and then go ahead and bench these guys. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with that either, but I certainly think that that, is, that would be you know kind of consistent if not throwing these guys to the dogs. I mean, there's not really any coming back from that, I don't think, especially here as the season winds down. I yeah. mean, there's not going to be, you know, so say he comes out and he benches whoever, and that guy... There's, you know, then there's three more play, three more games left in the season, and you know that guy's not really going to get his redemption song. I mean, that guy's going to be the guy who was benched down the stretch, you know, uh, Jason Babin style, although not really. But yeah. you know, like that's the sort of that's the sort of thing that we're looking at here. Um, <clears throat> I also think that I, I don't really know what Jenkins, what else Jenkins is supposed to say, because I think if Jenkins says, "Yeah, we all know it was Billy." Yeah, right. I don't no, think I there's even name Billy. But you know, I think right. if Jenkins says like, "Look, we all we all know who it was." Like that's not really the sort of thing that a team leader does either. Uh, if you buy into this whole, you know, kind of adversarial thing, I'm not sure I do, but either way, I mean, it's obvious that like, look, I'm sure that everybody on the team knows and, you know, they all have access to the good tape and and it's interesting because um you know, there are some positions in the NFL that are, that are notoriously hard to kind of look at and uh figure out um so, so I just wonder if, um, you know, if, if we're talking about something like that, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, if we're talking about a defensive back or like a receiver who, you know, the play wasn't going towards cause he dogged it and I bet that's it, <laughs> but you know, or like a, or like a lineman who gave a minimal effort and I don't know, <clears throat> I keep thinking about, um, I saw like a short video tweeted out earlier where, um, uh, <clears throat> Ertz came up and he had like a, like a, uh, crackback block or something on a defensive lineman and and he just pushed the defensive lineman right into the gap you know he punched him <laughs> sideways the guy skidded sideways like a couple of steps you know i just wonder if, if it's like something like that you know there's like a lot that goes on and the coaches just know a lot more about this than we do because it's their job and um <clears throat> and we're just people who watch it on sundays and then read friends recap or whoever's recap mm-hmm. you know like it's just it's just not the same sort of level so yeah i i mean We'll see. We'll see. The coach's actions will speak louder than, you know, than what they're saying. But, you know, if they really think that somebody's dogged it, I'm not sure they've lost the locker room. Um, I'm sure that a lot of the guys, you know, there's probably some guys who think like, yeah, of course we're dogging it. Like, we're done. Yeah. And um, and that's sort well, of I, understandable. I just wonder if, well, okay, yeah. I was going to say, no, I mean, Brent Selleck noted that. You know, he, say, he said late in the year, you know, when, it, when a team falls out of contention, you know, you can tend to let up at the at the end of a play, you know, and it's not necessarily means that you're dogging it, but it's just it's human nature. You know, I mean, it's it's in baseball that, you know, whenever a player gets benched for for not running out of grounder, well, it's 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 inconceivable to think that a, a, a player playing for a team that's, you know, playing out the string is going to run 100 percent every ground ball out. And I do think it's the same way in the NFL, although when you have a play and, you know, the one. And I think especially on defense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right because there's there's supposed to be you're supposed to be tough guys and there's this reputation, especially in in Philadelphia, in that town. You know, it's in Philly. It's a matter of, you know, Philly likes their football players to be a certain way and to and to behave a certain way and to to want to rip everybody's head off, no matter the score at all times. And and, you know, I get that I, you're paying hard earned money to see these guys play hard. I think that's fine. But I think the real problem that Doug ran into was was saying that some guys didn't play hard and then 
not taking it anywhere further. I mean, I, I don't think it would have been productive for him to name names. He just shouldn't have said anything. And the guys covered that on Tuesday. They mentioned all of that. I agree with everything that they said on the Tuesday podcast. If you want to kind of get in depth, listen to the Tuesday podcast, and they'll go through a chapter and verse. My, my whole point is moving forward, you know, how do we – how do we as fans, you know, assess assess this team? How do we assess Doug Peterson and, and you know, kind of the, the control he has on the locker room? Because it's been a very uneven week right now. And, you know, I mean, how I don't expect the Eagles to win a lot more games the, the, the last four weeks. So I'm just trying to figure out a way to judge Doug Peterson over these last few weeks. And I don't want to have to rely on day after press conferences and what he says to the media in order to do it. This has just been... You know, this is what happens at the end of a season that's kind of fallen apart, you know? Yeah, I don't really think there's anything more to say. I'm not sure that that any of this should should play into how we evaluate Doug Peterson. I think we should sort of just look at, I mean, hell, I don't know. I mean, this is this team is, is bereft of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think if you're looking for him to, like, step up and, and do, you know, pull some interpersonal magic, I think you're going to be waiting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's 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 just kind of funny. We were talking about we were very high on Doug Peterson early in the Well, you know what I say that early in the season. We talk about the three and O start, Matt, early in the season and we think, well, that was that was the high water mark. And it it technically was, but we have to remember it was just a couple of weeks ago that the Eagles beat the Atlanta Falcons, who came into the who came into to Lincoln Financial Field as one of the hottest teams in football. It was it wasn't so long ago that this team was still playing good football and beating quality opponents. And it's 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 only happened in the last three weeks that the, the bottom has really fallen out. And I guess it 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 happens it happens when, you know, you go to Seattle in a real tough place to play and you lose a game you're supposed to lose and you don't look good doing it. Well now you know, you come home and you play the Green Bay Packers and you face a quarterback, maybe the greatest of this particular generation, and he is in one of those classic Aaron Rodgers modes where I'm not sure there was anything the Eagles could have done to stop him that day. And it all leads to last week. And I think last week was the really the only humiliating game the Eagles have played this year because it was against a terrible opponent, and they just came out and, and were not ready to play. And so... You know, we'll look ahead to Washington here in just a second, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this team comes out against Washington at home on Sunday, especially when you consider the Redskins have so much to play for at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. They're fighting for their playoff lives, Matt. I mean, what what do you expect to see from these guys when they hit the field on Sunday? Do you expect flatness or do you expect to, do you expect them to come out and, and show a better effort? I don't know. Uh, I think that, I think that, yeah, no, I do know, actually. I think that, I don't know that this is going to be, look, I mean, we can talk about pride all we want, but they're not at home, you know, the, so the pride thing is like gone, unless you want to talk about playing for the people, you know, the away fans in attendance or whatever. I don't really think that that's going to enter into it. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they come out a little flat and I wouldn't be surprised at all if we sort of overreact to it. Um, I think about like uh, these late season meaningless wins and how unpopular they are generally. And I sort of wonder if um, we aren't just well, the team's sort of entering a lose lose here. Right. Because I don't know if I don't know if they'll win. Um, but I certainly think that if they win, it's unpopular. If they lose, it's very unpopular. And, you know, I just I just wonder. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like they're going to come out. They're probably going to be a little bit flat. This is, and, and everyone's going to make some sort of sweeping indictment. But like. I don't know, man. Football's hard. It's like hard on the body. And if these guys want to, and if these guys want to just really take hard. it easy a little bit, especially yeah. the guys on defense, you know, because because these are the guys who make the decisions to hit people. It's not like on offense where they, these are the guys who make the decisions to get hit, or not even. I mean, these are the guys who just do the things that end up them getting hit. So um, look, I mean, I think that if we if they came out and they were flat, I, I probably wouldn't blame them at all. I wouldn't really be surprised. And. <sighs> Yeah, and everyone's going to be really mad about it. Yeah, well, the, the, at least the good thing is that there's no the Eagles' first round pick is not tied to their record here. I mean, they're they're tied to the Vikings' record, but it's not tied to what the Eagles do. So, you know, even if they do, you know, put up a couple wins here late in the season, it's not going to negatively affect draft positioning or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's at the moment it's really hard to conceive this team winning another game this year, and uh, I'm. Sh I think they probably will, but it's it's hard to see it at the moment. Um, and that kind of brings us to uh, taking a look. Let's let's take a look forward now. Um, we'll spend the rest of the show kind of looking ahead, um, both uh, 
about at the Reds at the Redskins this weekend against uh, against Washington. They're going to be playing home where they've played very well this year. Uh, they're going to get Jordan Matthews back this week. It looks like Matt uh, he fully participated in practice on Thursday. Uh, Ryan Matthews is also going to be good to go. Uh, the Eagles will probably be without Doriel Green Beckham and uh, and Big V on Sunday. Um, you know, it's going to be they're going to be a little bit short at the receiver position, and again, they're going to be playing with some some uh, some deep backups on the offensive line. But um, I guess it's going to be I'm actually pretty I'm really surprised exactly how much they miss Jordan Matthews because you and I have talked before about Jordan Matthews. He's I, I think he's a little bit disappointing, but you really see how much they miss him when he's not in the game, and it's going to be it's going to be very good for Carson Wentz to have him back next week. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, yeah, woo. Uh, this is, whoa, getting back this offensive firepower and Jordan Matthews and, and Ryan Matthews. So yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be another tough one. I think. Um, I guess the only sort of hope is that maybe they can reach deep down inside, or if um, you know, if if somebody has a good game, or you know, if Alan Barbary can can hold up against Ryan Kerrigan better than Big V did in his first start. I mean. Yeah, this this might get pretty oh, ugly pretty right. fast there on on offense. So um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, great. We get all these these big time weapons back that that <laughs> the ones that we've all come to that we've all come to know and love. I mean, look. I mean, it might be time for them to get back to basics, just sort of because you know this whole offense has been predicated around there's they're they don't run that many plays, and let's be honest, there aren't that many plays to run. But what they do do is they sort yeah. of mix up what they do pre snap, and I mean, I think that in a lot of ways that's sort of the manufacturing offense the same way that anything else is. Like you don't have the guys up front to win there, you don't have the guys and you know on the outside to win there you don't really have the guys on the inside to win there you know barring some you know smallwood renaissance which i guess i guess it's okay if we still hope for that it's not like zach Ertz where he's entering his 17th season but um the uh i think that i think what they're looking for what they're looking for is is you know a little bit of um uh, you, you know, not necessarily creativity, but just just varied looks. I mean, they have that three-level stretch play that they love to run like the right side of the field, and we see it all the time, and that's like a, you know, it's a pretty classic zone beater. But what makes it really interesting is like who they have running each of the three levels, where they're each coming from, you know, all that sort of stuff. That stuff isn't fixed. You know, they can vary that. And that's the sort of thing that was working for them early on, and, and then, you know, it seemed like the execution broke down a little bit, and, you know, then the play started to break down a little bit, and certainly, you know, the weapons can't hurt, but, you know, getting Trey Burton involved like ugh, i don't i don't really know if we yeah. want to have the trey burton episode again but um yeah it, w- it would be nice to see a little yeah it would, it would be nice to see a little bit of a little bit of offensive life um i certainly think that that'll probably be more than anything else you know when people talk about defense setting the tone and i think that's stupid um i think that the offense will be able to set the tone and you know if the offense can get out to a start the defense might be like oh crap like we should play and um i think that'll make all the difference <laughs> Yeah, there is nothing worse in football. No, there's nothing worth worse in there's nothing worse in sports than bad offense. Whether it's baseball or football or basketball or hockey, there is nothing more unwatchable than watching bad offense in sports. Even because at least bad defense. If you've got bad defense, you're you're probably watching scoring. At least maybe you're you know, you're seeing something happen. But bad offense, when you've got nothing going on offense, it is the most unwatchable thing when you're watching professional sports. And and you know I, the Eagles, unfortunately, the last few weeks have been have been that way. And you know at least Jordan Matthews. At least Jordan Matthews does has some kind of a a connection with Wentz. It's not Jerry Rice to Joe Montana. It's not even John Taylor to I mean, whatever. You know, I mean, he's this is not the you know early in the season. I think we were excited that these guys were developing a rapport, and there's still time. They're both still very young. Um, but as far as Ryan Matthews coming back, you know. I, Matt, I'm not sure I want to see Ryan Matthews playing a whole lot this week. If we're looking at a rebuilding month here, four more weeks to see what's what the what this team has for the future. Wouldn't you rather see Wendell Smallwood get the majority of the carries over Ryan Matthews? I personally don't even care that Ryan Matthews is ready to go this week. I'd rather see Wendell Smallwood get 15 to 18 carries as opposed to those carries going to Ryan Matthews, especially around the goal line, too. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um Smallwood's a better receiver than Matthews because Matthews has got to be one of the worst receiving backs. Um, but yeah. 
Eh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm with you. I just think that, like, look, play whatever works because I think that um, even having, like, a consistent running game could really help out Wentz a lot um, because right now he's just doing he's just doing everything, right? And we're all mad at him for it, which is messed yeah. up. But, you know, he's just yeah, he's just doing everything. He's just doing everything, and like the people are like, "Oh, his pass went wide on his like fifty-seventh throw, you know, or <laughs> whatever." It was like oh, he threw a pick on attempt number forty-four. Like, yeah, I he guess threw sixty <laughs> times last week. That's crazy. Yeah, and it, and it's not even it's times. And it's not even like, oh, what was the game plan there? I mean, I mean, it's, I assume the game plan was, oh shit, we're down. So throw, but like, you know, it's just, it's just a shame that like they get down and they can't hang and it's not, I mean, it's not really his fault. I guess you can pick out individual things or say like, oh, like it's top and bottom, but like for, for as like, okay, as Wentz is playing, like things shouldn't be nearly as bad as they are. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm with you. Uh, let's see a little bit more of Smallwood, unless Matthews is playing well. And, like, we've seen Matthews play well sometimes. Like, that could be cool. Like, maybe we get back to that. Let's yeah. do that. But, yeah, it's it's going to be um, – it's going to be uh, – it would be nice to see a little bit more out of some of the rookies, especially, you know, after they made such big investments in the, in the non-skill positions. It would be nice to see pretty much the lone offensive weapon that was drafted this year um, – you know, get, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. He's the, well, apart from the quarterback, you know, try to get the, you know, the running back that we drafted this year out there and involved. No, but your point's well taken, and that Ryan Matthews, uh, who's running well, can help Carson Wentz. And that, after all, is the most important part of the rest of this. 2016 season is developing Carson Wentz and seeing what he can what he can do over these last uh, few weeks. I mean, heavens knows, based on the number of times he's thrown so far this year, um, not, nine quarterbacks in NFL history have attempted 500 or more passes their rookie year, and Wentz is on pace for 603. Uh, the combined record of those quarterbacks, by the way, is 359. So Wentz is in good company for guys who've tried to do this before. Uh, I think only uh, Andrew Luck and Andy Dalton had winning records in their rookie seasons uh, among quarterbacks who threw more than 500 passes in their rookie season. So this is this is not ideally how you want your quarterback to start his career. And um, if anybody didn't catch it, on the Monday morning quarterback um, – Monday morning quarterbacks Albert Breer had an interesting piece this week on on Carson Wentz's struggles and basically noted a few different things. One, that the Eagles did things early in the season to get Wentz going. I mean, they 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 put him on the move. They let him get out, um, get out of the pocket, got him some easy completions early. Um, but it, you know, he's saying that the Eagles knew that other teams would eventually start to take that stuff away as the season went on. Um, and there's the Lane Johnson suspension, which has definitely hurt that offensive line. It's made a big difference up front. And, and, and the Eagles, you know, they need another playmaker to help Wentz. And, you know, they're going to get him some more help in 2017. But nevertheless, the, the struggles of Carson Wentz here were not unexpected by the Eagles uh, based on this piece. And that's not surprising because they really, like we have talked about on this podcast, as you mentioned a minute ago, Matt, have had to have had to do a lot of pre pre snap scheming. They've had to use smoke and mirrors. They've had to use some some tricks of the trade to to get Wentz into positions to be successful because they don't have the personnel to make it happen. And so, I guess what I want to I guess what I want to know from you is like what do we what do we want to look for? What do we want to see from Carson Wentz over these last four weeks? I guess first and foremost that he stays healthy, that he doesn't get killed out there, but also that we at least see some of the flashes um, and that. You know, we, we see we, we see less of the ball sailing on him and, and we see his mechanics maybe get under control a little bit. I know that's very difficult to fix once you're in the regular season, getting the, you know, really working hard on the mechanics. That's kind of something you do in the offseason and in the, the mini camps and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, over these next four weeks, this is going to be all about Carson Wentz, seeing how he develops, seeing what seeing how how he can maybe right the ship a little bit without a whole lot of help over these last four weeks. I don't know. I mean, the last thing I want to see, man, I just don't want to see this town turn on Carson Wentz because that could happen. You know, we've seen it happen before. That could happen. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to the mechanics thing a lot. It seems like that's become a thing suddenly. I even saw like some side-by-side comparisons of him and Tebow, which is like, come on, guys, get a grip. But um, the the <laughs> thing about the... Yeah, I mean that's that's as that's as bad as I could really imagine. But um, 
the thing the thing about his mechanics is that like look all guys have breakdowns in mechanics and i think that like just because you can sort of say like like i don't know it's like being like my car um you know the brake pads wore out and like it's a bad car like no that's it's just something that happens or you know or whatever like you know it's just the sort of thing that like it'll it'll come to pass and he's like young you know the I think everybody, I guess, expected him to to not be young because he was drafted early, but that's also not how it works. But, um, you know, Greg Cosell had an interesting thing. He's talked about it a couple of different places where he sort of talks about the mechanics and, you know, when you fix mechanics, which you're right, is usually in the offseason. So if you're hoping that he demonstrates markedly improved mechanics, you know, since Sunday— um, I think that <laughs> I think that you I think that you badly overestimate the ability of these guys to to kind of get this stuff right. I mean, I don't think that like like it's just it's like being like, oh, I hope that this pitcher develops a uh, you know his curveball by Tuesday. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think that's yeah, that's not exactly. that's not, it takes these guys like two years to anyway. It doesn't enough with the mixed analogies. The the thing about this is that the. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the, this mechanic stuff, it like, it's going to happen and like, they'll probably get it fixed. Um, John Filippo is generally well-regarded. Um, I know that Derek Carr, who's now a legit MVP candidate, he had trouble with his mechanics coming out of school. You know, it was all screwed up because of the spread stuff. Um, so I just think that like, all right, let's be patient. And like, I don't know. I even think that thinking about getting his mechanics all squared away, you know, that's more of a result than, uh, anything else like, um. You know, if he plays a good game, his mechanics will probably be well. You know, if he's if he keeps out of if he's you know keeps from being rushed. You know, uh, if he gets in time, if he's able to hit his drops and you know the play is good, like all that stuff, that will probably help his mechanics a lot more than like. I don't know, getting it in his head, because that's usually what happens is that these guys sort of feel like they have to contort themselves in some way when they're making the throws so that their upper half and lower half aren't in sync. Um, and it's interesting, you know, Greg Cosell contrasted him with uh, with another rookie quarterback, Paxton Lynch, and he said that, like, Paxton Lynch needs a total rebuild, whereas Wentz just needs a tweak. And so I thought that was, you know, mm-hmm. somewhat um, somewhat encouraging to hear because, you know, I think that a lot of people <clears throat> draft Twitter uh, thought that Paxton Lynch was, you know, the superior <laughs> prospect. But when you talk about, like, you know, making a total rebuild here, like, that's um, that's a pretty tall order. So, um, and of course, everything that guy lo- does looks awkward anyway because he's, you know, a six foot seven guy trying to throw the ball yeah. with a compact movement and he's not a compact person. But um, the. So I guess from Wentz, what I'm looking to see. Well, here's one. Here's something I kind of like to see. I'd love to see him getting back and, and feeling, you know, confident and leading at the line. You know, I think that was something that we sort of yeah. uh, pointed to early on, and, and it seems like they've kind of gotten away from it. At least it seems like the kill kill is kind of built in, and like I don't know, like let's see if he can get out there and he can be like, look, I'm in charge, and like let's do it. Um, I think that that would sort of be the that would be the sort of thing that I think would make him a little bit more comfortable. And I don't know if that would you know artificially constrain the playbook or if you know Doug is given him permission to do that or if Doug himself even thinks that that's a good idea. But I think that would be something that I might sort of look to see is that like you know that was one of the things you know that the arm strength, the size, the athleticism, that sort of thing that he. Um, uh, that we were also encouraged by, but I mean the pre-snap stuff. You know his ability to to take a look and and call a play pre-snap. I mean that was the sort of thing that I don't think can be really re- replicated. I don't think there's a lot of guys in the NFL who can do that very well. I was just going to say know. that's not fluky either, Matt. I mean you know that's that that's not something that was just kind of like a, a flash in the pan. But reading defenses, that's a skill. I mean that's a skill. That's that's something that he has the brains to do. That's something that. You know, that's not that has nothing to do with anything physical. That's all that's all upstairs. And for my money, I, you know, I think, you know, maybe putting him in the hurry up offense to start off the game and, and maybe even playing most of the game in a two minute drill style format would, you know, would would benefit him. You know, maybe get out of get him out of his head. You know, maybe he's thinking too much when he's behind the center. And maybe all these guys are thinking too much from, you know, when they're behind center, you just, you know, get to the line, call a play, run the play, get to the line, call. I don't know. I, I don't want to go back to the, the, the days of, of Chip Kelly per se, but maybe for one week, it just kind of helps him get back into a little bit of a rhythm you know, instead of, you know, taking all the time between plays and trying to keep the other team's offense off the field. Forget about 
the other team's offense. Worry about your offense. Make sure that th make sure that your offense is is matriculating the ball down the field, and and then you know if the other offense is on the field for a while, that's the defense's problem. But you know, as an offense, you dictate the style of play that you want to, and and maybe that's maybe that's something that helps Carson Wentz this weekend. I would try it anyway. What what, what could it hurt? Yeah, and um, I think that you're right. I think that sort of has to be the priority, um, at least here going forward. Uh, I guess the only other thing I really wanted to get back to a little bit was um, uh, the defense. I think that um, I think that we're probably a lot more likely to see a sort of stinker turn in by the defense than the offense. And frankly, I don't know why that doesn't make people more angry. But again, that's that's not really something that I can control. So. <laughs> Nevertheless, yeah. um, I yeah. you know I, I just sort of I just sort of think like look Wentz is it and everybody else can everybody else can go I mean honestly not even with hyperbole how many other guys on the team like do you like really want to stick around five maybe yeah you know let's not name them but you know so so you know this is this is the sort of thing like like let's try to let's try to get this guy back to where it is because like God only knows what's going on with him he's he's got like everybody it seems like every play someone's messed up blocking up front uh, guys aren't getting open you know you just pray that they run zone and that you call a zone beater I mean that's like all he's got going on so like hey like let's try that you know and I think that in a certain extent like having quarterbacks do that kind of thing is the is the um, that is like another way that you could manufacture offense without playmakers is saying like mm -hmm. hey look like we got a good we got a good look pre-snap we think that like all right there's a there's a safety and he's he's stacked up over the uh uh, over the corner, which means that corner's coming, which means they're probably playing man, which means that, like, let's run a man beater, you know, a rub route or whatever, and, like, or, you know, or something. Let's just try to manufacture a little bit of offense, like, wherever we can, because, like, it's clear that, like, the the amount of, of artificial manufacturing that they're trying to do here is um, uh, not working, not enough. No, I, and I agree with your point about the defense, and people should be more upset about it, because this is... This is the area of the team that money was invested in. And this is the area of the team where, you know, the more high-profile coach is leading this unit. I mean, Jim Schwartz is a more high-profile coach than Doug Peterson, and it's been that way since training camp. And people talked about Jim Schwartz and being excited about the defense he was going to put out there, way more so than anybody felt confident about Doug Peterson doing anything with this team. And, and yet here we are. And to be honest, doesn't it feel a little bit like he's quit? It does feel a little bit like that. I mean, and maybe that's who Doug was talking about when he was when he was doing his uh, talking about his press conference on Monday. No, I mean it's, I, I do think that there was a piece in ESPN, and I don't re I don't remember the name of the the ESPN uh, writer who covers the Eagles, but uh, he was taking a look at some of the uh, some of the film, some of the uh, the all twenty two in the coaches tape, and that's was Tim McManus. Okay, yeah, Tim McManus, exactly. That's exactly who it was. Yeah. And I don't know, may, I, maybe he's covering for Schwartz, but, I mean, he was basically saying that the Eagles were in the right coverages, the right calls were made, and it didn't seem to be a lack of effort on the defense's part against Cincinnati. It was it was fundamental problems. Like, you know, uh, when you're pressing on the wide receiver, taking a step forward, you know, as a cornerback, when, you know, you're not supposed to do that, you, you're going to get beat off the line and, and lose your chance to, to, to get any contact off the line. And that, that hurt him for a couple big plays uh, on Sunday. And just guys getting late to their spots and not necessarily being a scheme problem, guys just making physical and mental errors out on the field that's on the players. And, you know, I think John has said that James has said that on, on previous podcasts. I think we've said that these guys are being put in a position to make some plays and they're just, they're just screwing up is what's going on out there. They're just screwing up. And it seems as though they screw up less at home than they do on the road. And so, you know, I know again, they got shredded by Aaron Rodgers. I think that was going to happen no matter what. So I'll be very interested. I don't know. I think the defense may come out and play a much better game on Sunday at home against Washington because, frankly, they owe Washington a couple games. They owe Kirk, Kirk Cousins a game here. And I do think that they, they seem to play with a clearer head and, and much more focus when, when they're at home. I, I expect a better, a better performance by the defense this Sunday. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you talk about the bad corners. I think about, you know, the bad corners and the bad receivers, they, they're really really mirror images of each other, aren't they? Um, they are. In a lot of ways. But uh, 
I do think it's funny how people are like, the corners are bad. And that's true. That is like totally self-evident, right? But like, I don't know. What's the equivalent? So, all right, the receivers are bad and people are still like, chuck it deep. See what happens. <laughs> like, I bet they yeah. know. <laughs> you know, I bet they know what will happen if they do that. And it's and it's the same thing. But like, no, nobody's saying the same thing for corners. And I think it's in general because like coverages are a lot less well understood. Um but, you know, I'm just thinking, like, what's the what's the equivalent? And, and, I, and I put this out there on Twitter and uh, somebody suggested, oh, just jam him. And, like, can you imagine if, like, you imagine <laughs> it would just come out and we were like, you know what, Jim Short should try? Playing press. Like, just have him jam him. <laughs> Give him a chance. Like, just see what happens. Like, yeah, here's what I bet will happen. Uh, you know, Leotis McKelvin goes for the one-arm jam, misses his guy, ends up on his face, and his guy's in the end zone. Like, that's the sort of thing. And, it, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that's happened when they run it deep. But, like, God, can you, I mean, this this whole team, it's a shame. This, this team will probably really be sunk by, like, bad deficiencies at the skill positions. And um, I don't know. I mean, they got to do something about it. All right, well, let's uh, let's real quick take a look at this weekend's game. Um, we'll, we'll take a look at what Washington uh, brings to the table. Um, Washington has lost their last two. They are hurting right now as well. They're 6-5-1 and one on the season. And if the season ended today, uh, the, the season would be four games shorter than normal. Uh, no, it would, they'd be on the outside looking in. Uh, they'd be trailing the Giants, uh, who are the fifth seed at 8-4, <laughs> and, and, and the Buccaneers as the sixth seed. Uh, they're 7-5. and five. Um, the Redskins are just ahead of the Vikings and the Packers at six and six, thanks to that tie from earlier in the season. But Washington has owned the Eagles over these last four games. They beat the, the Eagles 27-20 earlier in the season. And speaking of owning the Eagles, Kirk Cousins, the Eagles have not been able to figure this guy out in his in his career. Four starts against the Eagles, he has a 63.2 percent completion percentage, 1,345 yards, 10 touchdowns two interceptions, a 101.3 rating. And I, this may start a fight between you and me, but and, and between me and the rest of the BGN radio crew, but I, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. Kirk Coupons can play quarterback in this league. He's eighth in QB rating, 99.6 in the NFL, third in passing yards. He's got 3,811. He's only a, a, a couple dozen behind the leader, and he's got a 21 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio. I'm so, I mean, over the last 20 games or so, he's been a winning quarterback in this league. I don't know what more people need to see from Kirk Cousins to, to realize that this is this is not a bad quarterback. This is a this is a maybe a this is a top 15 quarterback, maybe a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I mean, am I wrong about Kirk Coupons, Matt? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons. Um, he has like a good offense with a lot of, you know, sort of stuff that takes it off of his plate. And he's sort of lacking in physical tools. So it's hard to say. I mean, he could turn out to be pretty good. But like, I think a lot of times, look, that guy's got a lot of playmakers and, and credit to Washington for, for doing that. I mean, they spent their first round pick on a wide receiver who's like barely played and they haven't missed yeah. a beat. And, yeah. you know, I think that we're thinking about that. And can you just imagine like, I mean, Nelson Aguilar is terrible, and he missed a game, and we somehow are even worse. Like that's the solution. <laughs> that's the situation that we're in. And you contrast it with them. So, um, the the uh, the the thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess that when you look at what he's asked to do and like everything that he does, like he does it fine. Um, I just think that as far as you know, his physical ability, his mental ability, plus the fact that he's 28. I mean, I think that like what you're looking yeah. at here is this is probably about what you'd expect from a guy, franchise tag guy, who's you know been in the league for a long time and has a somewhat limited skill set. I think that you know he's the sort of thing that, um, uh, that I mean, this is about where you'd want him to be. So I don't know if he's like gonna harass us here into his 30s. I mean, who knows how it could all go? I mean, he could turn back into a pumpkin because you know Garson and Jackson are both uh, both free agents next year, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think that certainly it, at this point it's it's sort of folly to say that he hasn't played well recently. Can he? Can he, is he good enough to get the Redskins to a Super Bowl? Grant saying like the if the defense plays plays well enough. I mean, is he is he is he good enough to be like a Joe Flacco? You know what I mean? Like that's that's what that. I think Joe Flacco has more tools. I think he's got a stronger arm, and you know Flacco. Joe Flacco has played great in that run. I don't he think did. Cousins has it in him. Yeah, that's my. That was my question. Yeah, does he have that kind of that kind of string in him? Yeah, 
Um, no. Well, I, I don't yeah. think so. I mean, it, and I, I don't even really like Joe Flacco, but, you know, I think that there's no there's no taking away what he did. I guess, I mean, I don't know. If you told me, like, Cousins went on a run like that, I'd be like, shit. But I, I think that, um, <laughs> like... He, if you want, if you want me to like commit to saying like, oh, could he like, could he do something like that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's got it in him. It, it would have to be, you know, putting it on, putting it on the backs of his receivers. Because even still, I mean, like I said, he's twenty eight, and we see him like he screws up all the time, and like they still win. But like you think back to early in the season when you just or the freaking kneel during the two minute or the like with no time left to kick the field goal. I mean, the dudes. <laughs> Come on, not to take anything away from him, but like, give me a break. Like, this is not some, he's not some cornerstone guy. He just isn't. Well, and he he is a spaz. There's, there's no doubt about it. He is a, he is a spazzy dude. He's a very strange dude, but um, I, you know, he's, when he's on, he, he can, he can throw darts around the field. I, I like him. I think he's, I think he's a, I think he's a good quarterback. One of the better quarterbacks in this league. And maybe that's just because I've seen him torch the Eagles, over and over and over again, and it'll, we'll see if he does it again on Sunday. Um, and uh, looking at the Redskins' defense, uh, their line is not very good. I know, I know, Kerrigan ate the Eagles alive in in the first meeting, but um, the, the the defensive front has not been very good for for Washington uh, since then. Uh, teams have been able to to move the ball and score on them, but you know, given the state of the Eagles' offense and the skill position players in the offensive line. Frankly, it doesn't matter how good the opponent is right now on offense or defense. This is all about what the Eagles can control, you know, with their talent level on offense and the execution on defense. I don't know that it matters whether or not Washington has a good or a bad defensive line, whether they've got a good or a bad offensive line. If 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 the Eagles execute, if the Eagles defense executes, they can overcome a good offensive line and a good offense like we saw against Atlanta and you know it, the Eagles' offensive line. They've got so many backups playing. I don't. I don't know that they can do any damage. You know, I don't know that they can hold their own against a, the, the Bengals' defensive line. So, you know, this is all going to come down to I think whether or not the Eagles can generate some kind of a running game. We keep saying this every week, and it never happens. Carson Wentz ends up throwing for sixty. Ends up throwing sixty passes in a game, and whether or not the Eagles' defense can execute. And, and hold Kirk Cousins down, something they have just not done. They can't get off the field on third downs. Luckily, Washington is among the worst teams in the NFL on, you know, at, at stopping third downs, and there's going to be a rubber-meets-the-road kind of a situation coming up here on Sunday. Um, we'll get to our, our, our Eagles pick in just a minute, but, um, you know, I... <laughs> I don't know where to go from here with, with, with Washington, with breaking down this game, because it's it's a meaningless game for the Eagles, and it means everything for the Redskins. If they don't win this game, they might their playoff season might be over. So I, do you expect – what kind of effort do you expect to see from Washington this week? I mean, are you expecting a lot of Kirk Cousins coming at us? God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, right? Like, they're not a particularly well-coached team. Yeah. They also don't really seem like they're like, – you know give a hoot so it's hard it's hard for me to say i would i would assume that like if they if they come out and play early that it'll probably be i mean this one could get away from the eagles pretty fast but it's hard i mean who who knows right like washington's so up and down and like they haven't always been like the best so um i don't know yeah i don't either it's it's well i guess i guess if i if i had to if i had to commit to it like they've Got some trouble running the ball, but their pass game has been really good. And, um, you know, the defense has been pretty steady. And even up front, they're pretty strong. I think Trent Williams is, pro- is coming back soon. So um, I, I I don't know. It could be. I don't well, know. Well, the good. The good <laughs> Effort wise, I would say that they'll probably come out better than the Eagles. Yeah. Well, the good news is uh, we'll at least get to scout future Eagle Deshaun Jackson on Sunday. So that'll be uh, that'll be something at least to look forward to on Sunday against Washington. All right. We're going to make our, our Eagles Redskins pick uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, first, we wanted to take a look around the NFL. Matt and I are each going to take a game and um, uh, make a pick uh, based off of the Sunday schedule. Matt, why don't you – Matt, cue the, first of all, cue the music. Okay. Um – I'm gonna go. I'll go first here and uh, give you a little bit of time to kind of look over the uh, look over the, the the lines for this week. And I am going to go to Sunday. You always take the good ones. Well, we'll see. 
We'll see. Uh, there are a lot, more than normal, There's there are uh, quite a few home underdogs this week, So which is which is something I, I like to look for. Uh, and I'm going to go to a home underdog, um, but I'm going to go the other way with it. So what I just said makes no sense whatsoever. The Pittsburgh Steelers at Buffalo. Uh, Steelers, according to Bovada's lines, are three-point favorites on the road in Buffalo. Um, you know, I just, uh, I don't see, Pittsburgh is on a nice little roll right now. They've got all their guys back. They're they're all healthy. Granted, Roethlisberger plays much better at home. Um, Buffalo is not without some, some skillful players themselves, but uh, I think Pittsburgh, I think this is a game Pittsburgh wins um, on Sunday. This is a one o'clock game. Uh, Steelers in Buffalo. I'm going to take the Steelers in this one, uh, Matt. Which one are you looking at? Uh, I guess I had my eye on the... Um, uh, I was going to say the Colts-Texans. You know, just thinking that the Colts being six and a half point favorites seems a little rich for me. Yeah. But, um, oh, here's a good one. How about the Vikings at the Jags? Somehow the Vikings, who, look, are not... They are not exactly world beaters anymore. And... Uh, Ah, dang, what a shame to have their first round pick. What a uh. <laughs> But um <laughs> even luck. still, I mean, the Jaguars are the Jaguars are terrible. They are just so bad. Like so what's bad. what is up with people liking what is up with people liking the Jaguars? I mean, we make fun of it all the time and like I you know, it's fun to make fun of, but like honestly, are you feeling all right? Like have you seen this? <laughs> have you seen how all this is going? So, you want to tell me that the Vikings are three and a half point favorites. Like you think that there's a chance that the Vikings could only win that by a field goal? I mean, Blake Bortles has thrown a pick six in like 28 straight games. That's a real stat. Look that up. It's not a real stat. But like, look, I mean, this is this team is an opportunistic defense. They've done a lot really good job of scoring up against an offense who just sucks. And they don't even suck in like in like the good way. They suck in like the way that like they're like the dude really does throw pick sixes. He's got like six this year. That might be a real stat. I mean the so <laughs> you're talking about ugh god. Anyway, like so right. So we have this uh the Vikings are three and a half point favorites and like give me them to just stomp them. Stomp the crappy Jaguars who are you know, you want to talk about playing for nothing. They are playing for nothing. The Vikings still have an outside shot here at getting into the playoffs and, and the Jaguars, I mean, what do they have? Like another top five pick on the way? Like, no, yeah, give me the Vikings. All right. Now that's good. That's good. I, yeah, they as a as a guy who owned Allen Robinson in fantasy earlier in the year, uh I jettisoned him because that that is a that whole organization needs to be scrubbed from top to bottom. That is a that is an absolutely hor horrid, horrid organization. Um, all right, before we get out of here, Matt, let's uh, let's give the folks our, our Eagles pick for this weekend. Uh, why don't you go first? Uh, I don't know. I always pick the Eagles to win. I don't know if you guys have gotten that, um, <laughs> but uh, I guess I'm sort of struggling here. Uh, they don't really have a lot going for them. They're on the road. Um, no, they're, they're not on the road. Week. I've said yeah, like four things about the Eagles being on. I said like four things about them being on the road, and you didn't correct me. No, I corrected you once, but you know I figured oh, well. it was. I heard. Uh, I heard one other mention. I thought you just it was a, a small mistake. That's all. Washington's only two point favorites. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I mean, I could. We we could see something like this. I mean, I guess it really depends. All right, here's one, and this is definitely something we're not really privy to. I think it really depends on how much our defensive line hates their offensive line. You know, because if they come out flat, those big guys, they'll, they're going to be the ones who win this game for us. I think. You know, the offense could come out and it could be steady, and that would be good. I mean, that's definitely necessary. But like, even if the offense is steady, if the we can't slow down their offense, then it's it's not going to matter. And we're going to get another sixty pass game, and people are going to be like. We're Where's the game plan, Doug? Like, yeah, yeah, you don't run when you're 10 points down. Like, you just don't do it. So, uh, like, in the first quarter. <laughs> so, uh, I think that it, I think it all depends on, like, how personal is it seeing <laughs> Fletcher Cox versus Brandon Scherf? How personal is it seeing uh, Sean Laval versus Benny Logan? How personal is it seeing, I don't remember, I still don't remember if Trent Williams is back or not. How how personal is it for Brandon Graham? Like, how, how much pride do these guys have in this? And, and, like, again, nobody would, I guess I wouldn't really blame them if they were like, yeah, sorry, no. But... Uh, I think that um, that's going to be what it comes down to. So if they do win, I think that we should look for the you know the offensive the defensive line to have a big game. So let's go ahead and say that they do, and say that the Eagles are going to win seventeen to ten. All right, and I, I kind of am with you on this one. I mean, it makes no earthly sense to pick the Eagles to win this game. I mean, you gave a good reason right there, but the Eagles are have lost three in a row. They they're kind of in free fall. They're dealing with some 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 locker room issues. They. 
Um, and they're facing a team uh, that is also hurting but is fighting for a playoff spot. The Eagles have nothing left to play for. The Redskins absolutely have to have this game. They've beaten the Eagles four straight times. Kirk Cousins just continues to do a number on this team over and over and over again, and they have yet to show that they know how to stop or get to Kirk Cousins. Nevertheless, this Eagles season has been all over the place. When when you feel when it when all logic tells you that they should win this game, they lose, and when they should lose a game, they win. And this kind of feels like a game where I do think the defensive line is going to play much harder, and the defense as a whole. I think they're going to have a a solid game at home, uh, and I do think having Jordan Matthews back on offense will help that offense move the ball a little bit better. He's at least a a competent professional wide receiver. When he when he hasn't been on the field, there hasn't been a single competent professional wide receiver for Carson Wentz to go to. He now at least has one. Uh, everybody else gets knocked down a peg a little bit. Um, I, I think you'll... I think it'll be a struggle to run the ball. I think it'll be a struggle for, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to complete 75% of his passes, but I think the offense will do just enough. And I do think the defense is going to have a very good game. I think they finally figure out a way to get to Kirk Cousins. And I got a similar score as you. I'll say 17-13 Eagles. It's not going to be a fun game to watch, but um, I think you'll see. I think it'll be uh, an Eagles victory on Sunday. Um, Any final thoughts for this week, Matt? Yeah, look for Zach Ertz to have a big game. (laughs) Are you serious? Are you serious? No. Um, <laughs> I am not. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts? Man, you know, I, ha- I had one earlier. Let me see if it comes back to me. It probably won't. Um, well, I'll give my final thought if you like, and you can... Oh, here's, here's one. Here's one. I got one. So, so okay. So, Zach Ertz, I, I think... I, well, I tweeted this earlier, but I, I sort of wanted to expand on this a little bit. For years, years, I mean, literal years of our lives were spent wondering... Why don't Vinny Curry and Zach Ertz play a little bit more? And now that they do, people are like, who could have seen this coming? I just want to put out there that the guys who didn't have them play more saw this coming. So, you know, I think kind of let this be your guide as far as, like, wondering what do what do these coaches know or, like, you know, can, can these things, like, be explained? Like, they typically can. So um, I think that I was trying to sort of say, like, uh, just remember, you know, as you're criticizing Doug for like not getting Zach Ertz more involved, just remember that like no one has figured out what to do with this guy except for, I guess, Howie Roseman figured out how to pay him. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, just wonder, just just remember as the season progresses and and even now, you know, as we sort of enter that that evaluation period where the games are meaningless, um, that uh, the coaches, you know, when they do things, it's because, look, they've seen enough. Like, they've seen enough Vinny Curry to see that he's playing 42% of the snaps, and that's still too many. They've seen enough Zach Ertz to know that, like, dude, what the hell are you doing? So I think that um, uh, when we're looking at this going forward, uh, just don't get mad. I mean, the veterans are – they are what they are, right? So um, just have a little bit of faith that these guys can take a look at Zach Ertz and be like, yep, guy sucks, and, and make that decision, and I think we'll all be a little bit happier. All right, very good. My final thought is we should just do away with press conferences as a whole, in general, in society, I think. They're, but especially in sports, because the, the whole Doug Peterson thing this week, it, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. We, we always rip on, we ripped on Andy Reid for, for never saying anything during his press conferences for, for seeming to stonewall fans and with the media, who is the, the fans' supposed conduit to the, to the team and that was always the complaint about Andy Reid that he was never honest. That we always just heard the the cliches and and uh, and and the standard lines. And now with Doug Peterson, you get you get you know off the cuff. You get hard on his sleeve. You get you get you get you hear some silly things at those press conferences. And we say it all the time. Players get criticized all the time when they speak the truth, and they sp- and they get criticized when they don't say anything. You know, we should just stop going to players and coaches and asking them for quotes because. I, that's like the least interesting thing to me anyway. I don't care about any of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, and it causes problems as we're seeing this week. It causes problems when a coach slips up, a first year coach who is seemingly not very good at talking to the media. We see what happens. We see what happens. And now it's all anybody's talking about instead of looking at the players on the field and, and trying to figure out exactly which of these guys are good and which of these guys are not good. And here's the, here's a clue. Most of them are not very good. 
That'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio for this week. My thanks to Matt Daring and for everybody for joining us on episode number 210 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. BGN Radio.